Turn to Luke chapter number 19. Luke chapter number 19. And we're going to pick up in verse number 28. When you find it, if you can, let's stand together. Luke chapter number 19, verse number 28. I know we're tired, and uh, I know that extra hour throws off our sleep schedule just a little bit. But I believe God will be gracious to us and uh, give us what we need to stay awake. And let's make sure we do the will of God in the service today. I told Brother Brent with a busy weekend, as his outline may be a little thin this morning. Uh, that's, that's in my vantage point. The Lord may put some meat on the bones. But if you'll pay attention, I'll not keep you any longer than the Lord would have us to be. Luke chapter number 19. We're about to read the mirror uh, account of the triumphal entry that we had preached out of several times out of John chapter number 12. But there's something I want you to see here today. And really one of the most unusual messages I've preached in a long time. And when I call a message unusual, then you know that's a lot coming from me. Verse number 28, the Bible says, And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. It came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and and Bethany at the mount called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. Now, the next verses are very important. I want you to see what he sent them for. Saying in verse number 30, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you why you do ye loose him, thus shall ye say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. Let's stop there and pray. Father God, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to be back in your house. And what a privilege it's been, Lord, to be in your house a little more often this week. And Lord, thank you for the preaching of your word. Lord, thank you for how you stirred our hearts and, Lord, burdened our hearts, Lord, to, to work in this area of missions, to give and to give in greater ways than we have before, Lord, that the gospel could get around the world. Lord, thank you for the dear missionaries who gave of their time to come. And I pray you'd bless them that they get to the field soon and begin to reap the harvest that you've prepared. I pray that you would stir our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray you'd make your will known to us, Lord, on what we should do and how you'd have us to give, Lord, that that gospel could get out. I just pray today, Lord, as was sung a moment ago, that we would just seek to please you and to do your will in the service today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In Luke chapter number 19, we see what's happening in verse 28 and 29 where Jesus is preparing to make his triumphal entry. The only problem is there's a critical piece missing from the triumphal entry, and that is the donkey on which that he will ride. Now, the Bible says here in Luke that it's a colt, but if you read in the other Gospels, we find out that it is indeed a donkey. So before he rides into town, now this is not long before he'll be betrayed, arrested, and crucified, he tells the disciples, I'm going to ride in on this donkey. I need you to go into the city. He tells them in verse 30 and 31 where the colt is going to be at and how they will find the colt that is there. 
Now, here's what I want you to notice this morning. In order for Christ to fulfill the plan, and by the way, the plan that Christ would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey was a plan that was set into motion 500 years before this moment. It's amazing that what is about to take place was written about in the book of Zechariah 500 years before he would tell his disciples to go and get the donkey that he would ride in on. He had already made that part of the plan, but here's what you need to see. In order for the plan to come to pass for Christ to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey and fulfill the prophecy that was written about in Zechariah, they would have to go into the city, they would have to find the donkey that was there, and then the people that owned the donkey was going to have to give the donkey to be used of Christ. Now, here's what's interesting. I was reading this the other day, and as the Lord began to hammer out the message on what he wanted us to preach, I said, Lord, that's kind of an odd thought as we preach about a donkey this morning, but this donkey is going to show us something this morning that we've heard a lot about in the past week and the past weeks before, but understand we're seeing here that in order for the plan of God to be completed, someone is going to have to give. In order for the plan that was set in motion in the book of Zechariah 500 years before this moment, before that plan could be completed according to the will and the word of God, somebody is going to have to give. And isn't that the principle we've been looking at over the past few weeks and months? In order for God's plan to be fulfilled in our lives, it requires of us to give. We looked at the young lad, Dr. Sis did this past week, about the young lad who had the five loaves and the two fishes. And there was a great need there where the people were hungry and they needed to be filled. The disciples look around and the disciple says, we don't have enough food to feed all of these people. And Jesus told them to feed them anyway. You see, he had a plan. But in order for that plan to come to fruition and be fulfilled, the little boy who had the five loaves and the two fishes had to be willing to give what he had in order for the plan to be completed. Now, folks, we understand this very well this morning. You've been in church long enough to realize that God has left us with a plan. He left us here as the church to be the body of Christ, to extend the gospel of Christ around the world. This is why we had our missions conference this week. You got to meet and to hear from missionaries who are willing to give of themselves to go on our behalf. To me, that's why missionaries are heroes. They're willing to give up the creature comforts of America, oftentimes even air conditioning and Walmart. They're willing to give up all of those things and go to take the gospel around the world. Why? Because that's part of God's plan. And I'm so thankful for those that are willing to go that God's plan could be fulfilled. So watch close. The missionaries are willing to give of their life and all that they know to leave behind what they are comfortable with to complete God's plan. So here's the problem, though. In order for them to go, we've got to be willing to give. You see, if they're willing to give to see the plan of God come to fulfillment, we must be willing to give that they might be able to go and get the gospel around the world. But oftentimes, therein lies the problem. Somebody, and that oftentimes is us, is not willing to give so that the plan can be completed. Now, Christ had need of this donkey. It was prophesied. Now, folks, for God to prophesy about that and put that in his plan, it means it's not insignificant. We need to pay close attention, and I believe this morning God's going to teach us something through this donkey. Now, why is it about the donkey? Well, it's not really about the donkey because in this case, God needed the donkey, 
And this man who had the donkey, who's not even given his name, was willing to give what he had to fulfill the plan that God had set into motion 500 years before. So this morning, God doesn't need our donkeys, does he? Some of you are thinking, I've got to go find a donkey this morning and give it to God. No, uh, please leave your donkeys at home if you have one. Do not bring them down the aisle and tie them up to the pulpit and say, well, the preacher said that God needs my donkey. No, God doesn't need our donkey. He needed a donkey to fulfill that plan. You know what he needs from us today? He needs our dollars. He needs our dollars to fulfill the plan to get the gospel around the world. So here's the message this morning. One of the oddest titles that I want to tell you, I pray about what the title of the message, I really do. And the burden of the message this morning is simply this, how a donkey is like a dollar. How a donkey is like a dollar. And we're going to see this morning of how this man was willing to give uh, what was required to complete the plan that God had set into motion a long time ago. So follow along, and uh, I think God will help us to see what he wants us to have today. So notice, if you will, verse number 30. Jesus says, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied whereon yet never man said, Loose him and bring him hither. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. This would be an odd request. If I was one of the two disciples that Christ came to me and said, all right, Jeremiah, here's what I want you to do today. I want you to go into the town. And as soon as you come into the town, uh, there on the right side of the gate or however it was there, there's going to be a donkey there. He's tied up. I want you to untie him and bring him to me. I would say, Lord, are you sure? You know, what if somebody has a problem with that? I mean, you know, you can't just walk up and steal somebody's donkey. You know, that's, that's kind of illegal, Yeah, that's exactly what he told them to do, but here's what I want you to understand this morning. The first reason that a donkey is a lot like a dollar is, number one, it was what the command required. It was what the command required. Now pay close attention. If they're going to fulfill what Christ sent them to do, they're going to have to be willing to give and to go and get what Christ required of them. Now understand, folks, this morning concerning missions giving. The only way that we can fulfill the plan that God has set into motion is for us to give what God has required. And I want to show you that to you this morning in Matthew 28. Turn back to your left. Matthew 28, you know these verses very well. I'm going to have you to flip with me just a little bit this morning because I want you to see God's plan. Matthew chapter 28, you know verse 18, 19, and 20 very well. Jesus says this, watch close. He's about to give them the plan. He's about to tell them what he requires of them. Verse 18, red letters, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Watch this next word, go. That's a command. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. My goodness, how on earth are we going to go and to teach all nations? We're but a few people. I mean, if all of us scattered out, it would take us years and decades. And look, it would take us centuries to get everyone the gospel. So how are we as a group going to fulfill the command of Christ? We do that through missions. You see, through our missions giving, we help to fulfill the plan of God to get the gospel around the world. But we've got to be willing to give what God has required in his command. Turn to your right real quickly. I'm not going to have you turn a lot after the first point, so rest easy in that, okay? Romans chapter 10, I want you to see something. One of our favorite verses is verse 13. We read it this week. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We love that part. God made a way for us to be saved. But wait a minute, verse 14, ask an important question. Notice the first word of verse 14 in Romans 10. How? Then shall they call upon on him in whom they have not believed? And how 
shall they believe in him, in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? Can I ask you one more question to that? How can they be sent if we don't give? You see, it's through the giving that we fulfill the command of what Christ left us here to do. So this morning, either we're called to go, and look, if God calls you to go, you better go. If God calls you to Zambia, you better go to Zambia. If God calls you to go to Antarctica, you better go to Antarctica. You could probably win the entire continent in about a month. I think there's only about five or ten people down there and a few penguins. Try to win them if you can because they're cute. It'd be nice to have some penguins in heaven, wouldn't it? But folks, if God calls you to go, go. But if God hasn't called you to go, do you know what we're required to do? We're required to give to meet the requirements of the command. How shall they hear without a preacher? But how shall they preach except they be sent? And how can they be sent if we don't give? Folks, this donkey was required that this man give what was required to fulfill the command of God. Now, we have been left with the greatest commandment of all, that is to get the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. But just as the man with the donkey, we must be willing to give to fulfill the command of what's required. I read a story several years ago about Will Rogers. Will Rogers said one time when he was asked a question about the Nazi U-boats. And the Nazi U-boats were just wreaking havoc upon the Allied ships. And he says, I have figured out how to solve the U-boat problem. Reporter says, well, please speak up. Can you give us the answer now? He said, it's very simple. All that you have to do is boil the ocean. If you were to boil the ocean, you would take out all of the Nazi U-boats. The reporter asked him then, well, how do you plan on boiling the ocean? He says, look, I'm just the idea guy. It's up to you to figure out the details. Now, folks, God has already given us the plan. We've got to figure out how to make it happen. The world is lost, we know that. The need is there, we know that. We've got to figure out how to get the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. And if we're not called to go, can I tell you what we're called to do? We're called to give to those that do go. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they be sent? And how can they be sent, folks, if we're not willing to give? I believe there's two great problems that plague the church today. The first is a cheap grace. A cheap grace that doesn't change us. But the second is just about as bad. It's a shallow faith that doesn't cost us anything. A shallow faith. We pray that the lost will be saved. Matter of fact, let me read what the Bible says in James chapter 2. Listen close to this. The Bible says of a brother or sister in verse 15, be naked and destitute of daily food. And one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful. What is it telling us? It's telling us that we see a brother or sister that has need and we tell them, brother, be warmed and be filled. Or I'm praying for you. Or here in the South, what do we say? Bless your heart. That just makes everything better, doesn't it? Somebody's cold, somebody's hungry. Say, well, bless your heart. Listen close what the rest of the Bible says here. But we give them not those things which are needed to the body. What doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Do you know what that means? Sooner or later, we must be willing to give to meet the requirements of the command. 
Sooner or later, our faith and what we say we believe is going to cost us something. And if it doesn't cost us the creature comforts of life and being called to go, then by all means, let us be willing to give to those who are willing to go on our behalf. By the way, do you know what the Bible says that when they reap fruit? The Bible says it's fruit that abounds to our account. This is why they're heroes to me. Miss Sarah Fish had an opportunity to get to know her this past week. And what a blessing it is to see this young woman who's been called of God and has enough courage to just say, God, I'm going to go and do what you've called me to do. Go into a country and leave everything behind that she knows. She's willing to go on our behalf. I think that young lady has more spiritual courage than a lot of men I know. Now, folks, look, if she's willing to go on our behalf, why aren't we willing to give so that she can go that we might fulfill the command of getting the gospel that is around, around the world? There's no way around it. Either we're going to have to go or we're going to have to give. So number one, how's a donkey like a dollar? Well, first off, it's what the command required, but here's where it gets interesting. Follow along, if you will. Jesus told them in verse 30, Go ye into the village over against you, and in the which you're entering, ye shall find a colt. Now, here's what's interesting. They weren't going to have to go find the donkey. They weren't going to have to go and say, Okay, I want you to pull your money together and everybody buy a donkey that I'll have something to ride on. We see a very familiar theme here, and that's the second thing. Notice it was provided for the purpose. What Christ required of them to go and bring back to him to fulfill the plan, he provided it there already. Let me tell you something very interesting about this donkey. The Bible uses the word colt, and you look up in the Bible, and the culture of that day, a colt was around a three-year-old donkey. Three years old. Now, here's this colt that Christ would ride into Jerusalem on, that was prophesied 500 years before Christ ever came on the scene. And here's this colt waiting exactly at the place that Christ said it would be. You see, he set this into motion long ago. All the disciples had to do was go and deliver what God had already provided for what he would require. And isn't that the case with God today? What he requires of us, he always provides This was not an accidental donkey, all right? He could say, walk into town and see if you can find one. He didn't say, walk into town and see if you can, you know, do a little horse trade, a little donkey trade, and come up with what I require. No, he says, what I'm going to require of you, I've already provided it. And how often is that the case with our missions giving? What God has required and commanded, he will provide. That's why in faith promise, when we pray about what God would have us to give, and my wife and I have been going back and forth and refining what we believe God wants us to give to missions this year, and we have our number, we trust God's going to provide it. And how often we see in the Word of God that what God requires, and when there's a need, God's going to make sure that what He commands of us, that He provides and that He supplies Give you a good example. I uh, I met with a young preacher yesterday morning in Louisiana, had coffee with them, and we were talking about uh, how God provided us our wives. And I told you the story of how God sent me my wife. And, you know, when I met my wife, I was not interested in being a pastor. Really wasn't. I wanted to be in evangelism. That's what I wanted to be in. Evangelists have the most fun. 
They go into a church, stir up trouble, set the place on fire, and then they leave. I mean, what a great job is that? And they get an offering to boot and a bunch of casserole dinners. I mean, it's the dream job for a Baptist preacher. You get to go up, rip everybody up, start the fires, take the check, eat the casseroles, and get on the road. It's the greatest job in the world. That's what I wanted to do. I mean, I watch how hard my dad worked as a pastor, and I'm thinking, you know, I just, I think I'd just rather travel and preach, you know, rack up those frequent flyer miles and one day go to Hawaii on them. I had it all mapped out. But the Lord was going to call me to pastor one day, even though I didn't know it. So when I married my wife, you know, she was beautiful, she was funny, she had an okay sense of humor, you know, her jokes were kind of cheesy at times, but uh, she has a pretty good sense of humor, and she worked with kids, I worked with kids, and we just, you know, seemed like a perfect couple, and we got married. Not long after we got married, a few years, God called me to pastor. And boy, when God called me to pastor, I found out well, something I did not know, is that God had given me a pastor's wife for a wife. He'd already, he knew what I was going to need. I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know I was going to be a pastor. I didn't really want to be a pastor, to be honest with you. That's not what I wanted to begin with. But God knew what I was going to be and what I was going to need. And what God had provided for me and a wife is what I needed to meet the job for which he called me to do. Isn't that just like God? To supply what you need before you need it. Do you know Eve was not an accidental wife for Adam? You know what the Bible says about Eve? She was a help meet for him. Eve was exactly what Adam needed in a wife. God looked at Adam. He said, it's not good that man be alone. You know what that is? That's a need. God says Adam has a need in his life. And boy, I'm telling you, God knew what he was talking about for how we need our wives this morning. Amen? They're able to find my, clo- find my keys, match my clothes, My wife can find stuff that I didn't even know was lost. Man, she's everything that I needed. That's not by accident. That's because an almighty God knew exactly what I was going to need. And before I ever knew that I needed it, he had supplied what I needed. Now, folks, can I tell you this morning, this world has a great need. That's to hear the gospel of Christ. And you're sitting around saying, I'm just praying God will send somebody to the world. Can I tell you this morning, he already has. It's you and I. But we've got to be willing to give what has already been provided for the purpose. Now let me ask you this. Do you think these men, whoever owned this, this donkey, do you think they already had plans for the donkey? I do. These men did not realize that this donkey was a very special donkey. This donkey had been provided by God. This donkey had plans made for it 500 years before he ever graced the planet. But they were willing to give this donkey. Do you know why? Because all of a sudden they realized that what they had planned, what God had planned was different. Now here's what I wonder this morning. How often in our life does God provide what is needed to fulfill the plan? And yet we've already got plans made for the donkey that God's provided that he wants us to give. Years ago, my wife and I used to use a term that we don't use anymore, and it was a term of extra money. You ever get extra money? We get extra money. I mean, we just got married. We're going to town. I'm going to buy a new deer camera, you know. I'm going to buy, you know, a new gun. We're going to go buy, you know, her something, you know. We're going to go buy something with it. And we would go, I couldn't think of anything at the moment, okay? But I take care of you, don't I? All right, I buy her stuff all the time. 
She has to tell me to quit buying her stuff. She really does, okay? I, I am a giving husband. But here's what I want you to understand. We go spend the money. We come home about a week later. The alternator would go out. The tire would go flat. The guy says, that's going to be $250. And you're thinking, man, I had $250 extra last week, but I spent it on tennis rackets. Remember we did that one time? <laughs> we thought we were going to get into tennis. It looked so easy on TV. You just throw the ball up and hit it. Do you know how hard that is? Because you hit it while you're jumping in the air. It took too much coordination. We got out of tennis, but we bought a lot of stuff. Remember that? We bought a lot of stuff. And we spend what God's provided instead of waiting to see maybe there's a purpose for which God has provided that. We don't use that term anymore. Because if God provides extra money, and you're thinking, I don't really have a need. Here's what we do. We don't go out and blow it. We say, I wonder why God, now look, God doesn't mind you buying things for yourself. But hey, why don't you take a second and wonder, I wonder if God's provided this for something that maybe I don't know about yet. I'm sure these men had plans for this donkey. But God had something greater planned for this donkey. And these men were, this man was willing to give his donkey to be used for the purpose for which Christ had sent it. Several years ago, we bought a gingerbread house. Remember that? A kit. And, you know, they already come cut out. They're kind of like gingerbread houses for dummies. All the parts are there. The icing is there. And it comes with all of this wonderful candy to decorate your gingerbread house with. So my wife says, let's make a gingerbread house together. So we're sitting around the table. And we're taking the parts. And we're gluing it together. And because I'm a construction genius, I'm showing her how to put this together. And I built the house. But my wife says, I, I want to do the decorating. I thought that's a, that's a good compromise, you know, I'll build it and you decorate it because my decorating skills probably would require dead animals. It'd be a little dead deer hanging on the walls, you know, of our gingerbread house. While she's decorating it, there's all this candy that came with it. M&Ms and jelly beans and I don't, I'm not a big spice drops person, but we left those over there and she's decorating all this. And while she's decorating, I'm just sitting there eating the M&Ms that came with it. I said, man, you're doing a great job. Man, she lined the, she had stones on the driveway here, you know, and she put nice little icicles off the house, and she had a little sign out there in the yard, and a snowman made out of the little gumdrops, and I'm sitting there, and she says, all right, the lights around the eve of the house are made out of M&Ms that we just stick into the icing. She says, give me the M&Ms. I says, what M&Ms? Evidently, you know, substandard labor, they did not include M&M's in our pack. She says, you ate the M&M's? I said, well, I didn't know they had a place. I thought they were just optional. You know, it come with all the options and decorate it the way you want it. It feels up to me. We just built the house and ate the candy. Wouldn't have put it because you don't eat those things anyway. You end up throwing it out in the yard. We turn it into a bird feeder. Our birds love that gingerbread house. I'm sitting there eating the M&M's, not realizing that the M&M's had a purpose. The M&M's had a place, a belonging. There was some place those M&M's were intended to go. And boy, God convicted my heart just the other night when I was preparing for this message, thinking, you know, a lot of times you eat the M&M's. God says, I've supplied what is needed to do the work that I've placed before you. And so often you don't take the time to ask the question, I wonder if those M&Ms belong somewhere. 
I wonder if God hasn't already provided what is needed to do what he's called me to do, but instead, here's what we do. We devour it under our own lust. Well, I just like M&M's. And so that gingerbread house is just going to have to do without. Look, it's one thing eating the M&M's off a gingerbread house, but it's another thing devouring what God has provided to see his purpose fulfilled. It's the second reason this morning that a donkey is a lot like our, do- our dollars. Notice it was provided for the purpose. 500 years in the making, God had provided that donkey to fulfill his word. The third thing, look back down, verse 31. The Bible says, if any man asks you, why do you lose him? Thus shall you say. Here's what Jesus says when you get there and you start untying this donkey. If anybody asks you what you're doing with it, here's what you tell them. I'm glad he told them that. Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? I don't think the folks who owned the donkey were being mean, but look. You come up and start getting in my car, I'm just going to kind of ask you kindly, what are you doing in my car? Now, they didn't have cars back then. They just had these donkeys that are there. And there's, these guys are coming up, and they're untying his donkey. He says, what are you doing with it? Now, what you see here is a natural reaction, all right? A very natural reaction. So the third reason this morning, how well, a donkey is a lot like our do- dollars. Notice, its collection was questioned. Its collection was questioned. Can I tell you the toughest part of taking what is provided and using it for the plan? It's answering the question of ownership. Ownership. Notice who's asking the question. The owners thereof said unto them, why loose ye the colt? It's the same way in my heart and in my life. The greatest obstacle to giving God what he wants is answering the question of ownership. Who does it belong to to begin with? I love listening to the arguments on socialism. I think it's probably the third message in a row that socialism has seemed to come up. It scares me to death, to be honest with you. And I love hearing what they say on how they're going to pay for all of this stuff. We're going to make sure they pay their fair share. You know what I never hear them saying? I'm going to pay my fair share. It's always they are going to pay their fair share. They don't mind giving away other people's money. Now, folks, can I tell you, I like to hold on to things that are mine as well. And oftentimes, it's God who requires something of me, but I'm not willing to give God what he has provided for me to use in his service because I don't want to answer the question of ownership. Now understand, in order for you to give God what he requires of you in your service, you're going to have to answer that question this morning. It's the question that Abraham had to answer. You remember that? What did, Jesus, or what did God tell him in Genesis chapter 22? Take thy son, thine only son. I want you to take what's yours and offer it on Mount Moriah. Abraham had to answer the question of ownership. Who does it belong to anyway? Just a few weeks ago, we had uh, the baby dedication of uh, little Haley. And pray for her. She'll be having her heart surgery this week, uh, this Wednesday up in Jackson. What a blessing it was to see a mom and dad acknowledge who their child belonged to. He just gave it back to who it belonged to. It belongs to God. Sometimes I think we don't give God 
What God requires of us is because we have a question of this ownership. Hey, that's my donkey. Hey, what are you doing? What are you asking me to give offering the missions and offering the building fund and you want me to get my tithes and all that? Hey, that's mine. I worked hard for that. Hey, I worked for that job. Hey, I put in the overtime. And we have ownership and that's why we don't give God what he requires of us. I'm going to remind you what Dr. Sisk, he quoted this verse to you the night, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. The Bible says, what hast thou that thou didst not receive? What do we have? What do any of us have that wasn't given to us by God? The Bible says in the book of James that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. All that we have is gifts and blessings from God. We should be a cheerful giver. Why? Because God gave it all to us to begin with. But you've got to answer that question of ownership, and I think that's why we have trouble giving. You know, if you were to borrow something from me or I were to borrow something from you, say I were to borrow a shovel from you, I planted some flowers for my wife the other day. First time I've done that since we moved here. Uh, but we had missionaries come over to our house, and I wanted it to look pretty for my wife. So I got out there, and I didn't have a shovel, so I was running late. I just used my hands. But let's just say if I borrowed a shovel from you, I wouldn't have a problem giving you your shovel back. I really wouldn't have a problem giving your shovel back. Your shovel, your rake, your hoe, your axe, anything that's going to create sweat, I wouldn't have a bit of problem giving it back to you. Why? It's yours. It's yours. It's easy. Look, if I loan something to you, it should be easy to give back. Why? Because it was never yours anyway. And I think the reason this morning we have trouble giving to God what he requires is because we still retain ownership. Let me give you a remedy to that. Notice what they said to him in verse number 34. The remedy for questioning what God wants to collect and they said, the Lord hath need of him. The Lord hath need of him. Can I tell you what convinced the man who had the donkey to give to God for what God required in his purpose? It was the need that changed his mind. The Lord hath need. What I love about getting to meet our missionaries, getting to see them, getting to hear from them, getting to see the pictures that are up there. Because we get to see, as the book of Lamentation tells us in chapter 3, that our eye affects our heart. We saw the pictures of the children down in the Dominican Republic. We saw the people in Gallatin, Tennessee. We saw the people of New Zealand. We saw the military that the baggage go to. What are they showing us? They're showing us the need. And can I tell you what ought to change our mind this morning in being willing to give to God what is required to fulfill the purpose of his plan? It ought to be the fact of the need that is there. By the way, remember what Christ did in John 4? He says, I must needs go through Samaria. Why did he go out of his way? Why did he skip lunch to go through the area that nobody else would want to go through? It was because the need was there. And I fear this morning, here's our problem. We can't see past the donkey to see the need. The donkey is ours. This is what belongs to me. This is mine. I have ownership of it. And the donkey is bigger than the need. Is that not the case so oftentimes? What I want and what I want to have for myself is greater than what others desperately need. David, the Bible tells us when he got to the battlefield, looked past the giant. Why? Why? Because he saw the need. He said, is there not a cause? 
So that guy was big, and that was going to be a, a, a tough task to knock down. Yes, but he saw past the giant. Why? Because he saw the need or the cause that was there. And I believe this morning we'd be willing to give if we just answered that question of ownership. Now, the last two are quick, okay? So bear with me. Look down in verse 34 and verse 35. And they said, the Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus. Now stop right there. There's no more conversation between verse 34 and 35 and the man who owns the donkey. They just said, the Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus. Evidently, they agreed. Evidently, they agreed to the terms and let him go. But here's what you need to see. Number four, the reason a donkey is like our dollars. It was lent to the Lord. It was lent to the Lord. The truth, if you will read through John, uh, Luke chapter number 19, you'll see that really Jesus only needed that donkey for about 10 verses. 10 verses. He was just borrowing it in essence. Now, I'm going to speculate here just for a moment, okay? I'm going to tell you this is my opinion, but I believe the man got his donkey back because he only needed it. Matter of fact, you look down at verse number 45, he's going in the temple. I don't think Jesus rode the donkey into the temple, all right? I think he parked it outside. He probably tied it up there, kind of like they, like they do in the Westerns, you know, tied it up out there in front of the temple. He only needed it for about 10 verses. And so what he was doing and giving what he had to the purpose of God was lending it unto the Lord. Folks, well, can I tell you that anything we give to the cause of Christ and to get the gospel around the world through worldwide missions, what we're doing is lending it to the Lord. We're just giving it to God. You say, well, how do you know we're going to get back? Well, Luke chapter 6, the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Matter of fact, you go on and you read the rest of that verse, it tells you how it comes back. The Bible says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, the Bible says. I'll tell you, lending unto the Lord is the best investment you ever make. Giving to God is the best investment you ever make. The Bible tells us in Malachi 3 that we bring our tithes into the storehouse. And what does the Bible say? And see if God doesn't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that we cannot receive. What is he showing us? That we're lending unto the Lord. A verse that rang, rang a bell this morning, Proverbs nineteen seventeen. The Bible tells us that he hath pity on the poor, lendeth to the Lord. Can I ask you if the Lord would knock on your door this morning? And ask, could he borrow your car? Would you be willing to let God borrow your car? Absolutely. So the Lord were to say, you know what, could I borrow your car to go across town? There's some folks on the, on the other side of the tracks that need hear the gospel. Would you mind if I borrow? Boy, no, absolutely not. No problem at all. The Lord would come by and say, hey, could I, could I borrow your rake? I have a need to use your rake for something. I don't know what God would do with a rake, but if he had a need for it, I bet we'd be willing to let him borrow it. God, I'll give you anything you want to use. Well, folks, God wants to use what he's provided to get the gospel around the, Lord, around the world. And when we give to him what he's provided, we're doing nothing less than lending to the Lord. It's the greatest investment you'll ever make. So number four, that was a dollar, a donkey like a dollar. Well, it's lent to the Lord. And then here's the last part that I want you to see before the invitation. The Bible says in verse 32, And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them, as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus. And they cast their garments upon the colt. And they sat Jesus thereon. Number four, 
or number five, and we're done. How is a donkey a lot like our dollars? Well, it was given to carry Christ. That donkey was given to carry Christ into the city. Now, do you know why we give to missions? You know that that money does not go here to Central Baptist Church. It goes to the mission field every dollar, every dime. Do you know why we give to missions and should be willing to give what God has given us to fulfill his purpose? It's because we are giving to carry Christ to those cities who have yet to hear of him. Can you imagine? It just it blows my mind. Dr. Sis gave the statistics this past week about how many people have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. I mean, I grew up hearing it. I grew up in church. I grew up in Sunday school. I grew up mom and dad talking about it, grandma and grandpa talking about it. I mean, I knew what the gospel was. I just waited until the Holy Spirit of God stirred my heart for the need to be saved. But there are people all over this world who've yet to hear a clear presentation of the gospel, and we've got to be willing to give what God's provided to fulfill his plan so that Christ can come to their city as well. Folks, isn't that why God has left us here? I'm going to go back to Romans one time before we close, and I'm going to read this to you one more time and let this resonate just for a moment. Back in Romans 10... Verse 13, we see the simplicity of the plan of salvation. For whosoever, for whosoever, our world is full of whosoever's that have yet to hear. The plan of salvation is so simple that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how? How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him? Whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And my question is simply this morning how can they be sent if we're not willing to give? Folks, we've got to get these missionaries to the field as soon as possible. There's other missionaries like them who need to go and carry Christ to cities around the world. Middle East, how sad those children in the Middle East will grow up hearing of Allah before they hear about Jehovah. How sad. Somebody's got to go to that city. And folks, there's people willing to go to cities all over this world. But somebody's got to make sure that we give so that they can go. So the last reason this morning that a donkey is a lot like our dollars, it's given to carry Christ. So in just a moment when we have a hymn of invitation and we come down to give our faith promise giving cards for this year. We're not giving dollars to the church. We're giving resources to carry Christ to cities who've yet to hear. The question this morning is, who does it belong to anyway? It all belongs to God. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to him. So let's be willing to give to God what God has provided to fulfill his purpose. Our heads are bowed this morning and our eyes are closed.